Welcome to The Owl Hoot, a podcast for the environmentally curious, with me, Caroline Norbury. On each episode, I chat with a guest who contributes in some way to protecting the planet on matters of climate change, sustainability, biodiversity and pollution. Here is a place where you can gain new knowledge and be inspired. Enjoy listening. Daniel Webb is the founder and director of Everyday Plastic, an evidence-led social enterprise delivering educational resources and campaigns to tackle plastic pollution. A marketeer by profession, plastics came onto his radar when moving to Margate and discovering a swathe of plastic litter on a local beach. Through exploring his own plastic usage, he now finds himself at the forefront of raising awareness of the issues surrounding plastic. I'm so pleased to welcome Daniel to the podcast to tell his story and talk about the fabulous activities of everyday plastic. Welcome, Dan, to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You are very welcome. So I'm really interested to know what was happening in your life prior to this walking along the beach and spotting a lot of plastics. Were plastics ever in your psyche up until that point? Had environmental issues crossed your mind? Well, yes, they were in my psyche, but probably not in the same way as they are now. When I think back to it, plastics are just so in, ingrained within our life. You can, you can almost be blind to them and, and the same with sort of pollution uh, issues, you know, that related to plastic. You, you, you know, you see it everywhere, you walk down the street and there's rubbish everywhere. And sometimes it's not until you, you switch onto it that you start to notice it. So I guess maybe I wasn't switched on in the same way as I am now. In terms of environmental issues, I was really just starting to read a lot more about you know, climate change in particular. And as, as you said in the intro, I, I used to work in marketing and I think I struggled with how climate change and, and other environmental issues were being communicated. Um, this was would be you know six or seven years ago. You know, it all felt very abstract. I don't know if you've read that Naomi Klein's This Changes Everything, which is an incredible book and really kind of shifted my understanding of perception. But my God, it's a very heavy, doomy, distressing book. So it's that, you know, that's not for everyone. And I really felt that. You know, I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. I just felt that, you know, I had this, I was reading more and more and, you know, connecting the dots a little. And, I, and yeah, like you say, the move to Margate really just opened my eyes to this waste that I, plastic waste, you know, pollution, particularly on the beaches. I remember running along the promenade and it was after a storm, heavy storm, September or something, and just seeing loads of, waste within the seaweed like loads you know some of it you know not recognizable some of it with you know packaging with different languages on some of it from potentially a different era so you know my brain just started whirring whirring away and I knew that you know I started reading more and again found the same thing you know all the stats that I was reading you know there's going to be eight eight billion tons of plastic have entered the ocean in since 1950 or there's going to be more plastic than fish in the sea by 2050 no idea what that looks like so abstract can't connect to that at all so 
that's really kind of sparked the sparked the idea behind everyday plastic really and how was it for you thinking right well i'll just collect my plastic there's no way to put it did you have a, a plan did you think what this was going to look like when you started collecting plastic <laughs> no i did not have a plan and i'm kind of glad i didn't really i think you know so wanting to do something that that something was to collect all my plastic waste for a year and you know one of the other catalysts was the fact that i wasn't offered any recycling at my my flat so i was kind of like what what's happening to all my stuff then if if, I'm, if it's not getting collected for recycling how effective is recycling how much stuff am i bringing home from the supermarket you know, what what's it being used for so i had all these questions and i kind of wanted to find out I wanted to understand what I was throwing away, but more than anything, I just felt really bad about it, not about it being thrown away and not being recycled. And back then I thought recycling was the, the, the core solution to, to, to this issue. But obviously this, this whole journey has uh, revealed something quite different. So you got to your end of your year, you've got all this plastic then you you had two things you you made a mural out of it and you also prior to that you did you worked with dr julie schneider on a report what did that tell you about this year-long collection yeah so it was actually the the other way around so we made the mural first or we actually did did both things at the same time in a way so i had all these bags in my spare room we julie and i we we took on this big music venue in Margate called Dreamland and we got some friends together and some other volunteers and we emptied all the bags out onto the floor and we started separating it, counting it, categorising it, weighing it. We we covered the floor of the venue. It's 2,000 capacity music venue and we covered the floor with my stuff. So it still remains the most sort of shocking and visceral moment I've had throughout this whole experience that took about three or four days and after that we basically got everything together and we made that that the mural which um, you can sort of see on our website if you head to everydayplastic.org the mural was a great launch pad for this and it came out at you know quite a serendipitous time in terms of you know how plastic pollution was being discussed in the in the mainstream Blue Planet 2 had been released just two or three months before, so everyone wanted to talk about it. So really put put everyday plastic on the map. And I think the important thing that people were connecting to it, which is what I really you know, set out to achieve. But then Julie and I went away to crunch the numbers. I mean, I say I crunched the numbers. Julie is, this is Julie's remit uh, for sure. She, she developed, you know, I think 25 spreadsheets or something crazy like that. To, to really analyze and we used lots of publicly available data cross cross referenced a lot of stuff so it was really you know we, we developed a really robust sort of methodology to to do that and um, we found out that I threw away 4490 pieces of plastic in one year which when I when I go out and talk to people about this I ask whether they think they throw away more or less and you kind of get half and half. Some people think they throw away more and others less, which is interesting to me because I wanted to understand if I was if I was average, if if my 
if this was an honest representation of what was being thrown away. And it turned out that by weight of those pieces, it comes under the average to compare to a, an EU citizen. So I, I'd actually given up plastic bottles. I'd, I'd, so I wasn't drinking water out of plastic bottles. So maybe if I'd had, you know, one a day or five a week over that year, that would have, you know, that would have got it close to the average, but still it just shows you, if you imagine that my waste was 4,490, what would it look like if ev if everyone's waste was, was similar and what would that look like over 10 years or across the world? It, it's, it's quite a frightening experience. Yeah, I can imagine. And plus the fact throughout that period, I imagine there must have been a slight tussle in your head because you're accumulating all this plastic and you're building this like a relationship with uh, this plastic and that you, it must be a bit of an antithesis. You, you don't want to be collecting it, but you want to be able to demonstrate what you're collecting. So I hear that through the fact that you thought, well, I can't, I can't collect plastic bottles as well when I know how much already I'm collecting. So it was already starting to shape your, you know, your experience of going out in the world and buying stuff, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it was, it was kind of the, kind of my swan song year of consuming in the way that that I was um you know I, I felt that you know plastic bottles aside I just wanted you know to make sure that I didn't stop you know if I was going to, if my instinct told me to buy something in the supermarket or wherever you know from I don't know from online whatever it was to follow through on that and obviously by doing Doing this experiment you're just connected to it all the time every time I picked something up I was conscious of what I was buying which is quite a difficult position really because you know that's that's kind of what convenience is is aims to avoid is that you know that you you chuck things into your trolley or your basket without giving it a second thought and you know these 4490 pieces I'd spent you know everything cost money I barely remembered using any of it and I think that's that's the kind of the scary bit that we're, we're generating we're spending all of this stuff and we, there's still a, a, like there's a legacy to what we've spent sitting in front of us or in our bins and I think that's where I started to just you know I always related to sort of seeing through the matrix you know plastic pollution Plastic's not just an environmental issue. It has huge societal impacts, cultural impact. You know, it's a huge driver of our economy, if you think about it, in the way that we, you know, the way that we consume. If you if you go to a shopping centre, you try and walk, you know, you know those big shopping centres, you try and walk through there without, you know, imagine what it would look like if had, had plastic never been invented. Basically, it wouldn't exist. So... It was um it was really it was really interesting to to start seeing things in it in a very different way. You raise a very important point there, or at least it's, it seems to be in my mind, in that it's so intrinsic to everything that we do, and trying to imagine a world without it is just almost impossible. It's complicated. It has all those different nuances. The, the you know the economics you talked about, the society, the social impacts. It would be easy then to, at the end of that year to go, oh my goodness, this is crazy big, crazy complicated. 
and overwhelming and how can I make a difference? But you obviously didn't do that. How did you, I'm interested in the struggle of dealing with that complexity and wanting to make a difference. Where did you see that you could make a difference and go forward with it? That's a good question. And I think what I've enjoyed, I suppose, about this whole journey is that it's evolved and I've reacted and responded to to kind of what's been put in front of me. So it's, it was never, you know, I'm setting up Everyday Plastic and I'm going to do this, that, and, you know, do talks and I'm going to start big campaigns. It's all kind of, you know, grew very organically. And like I say, I, I responded to, you know, when the mural was installed, I was, I was, you know, it was all over the press. It was, it was crazy. And that, that's ne- that was never an intention. It just happened and because it was it was some people were connecting to it and that's like I say what was my objective you know and I was being asked to go on like daily politics show and on TV and it's just like what is happening like I'm I'm you know massive imposter syndrome obviously but what I think I enjoyed was how people responded to it and asked the question oh my god this this could be me this is what mine would look like and I was asked, I was asked to come into schools and to go to businesses and events to do, to do talks and, and I think that's where I really thought, okay, well that I think I've got, a, a, like a job to do here. I think I can continue just talking about this to people and helping people to connect to it. And that's like I say, what what is really important to make the plastic problem accessible to everybody. So yeah, that's kind of what what happened, and and obviously that the this was two thousand and eighteen. So we got to the end of two thousand eighteen. You know, I always look to New Year's for new beginnings and opportunities and stuff, and I just felt right this year. You know, last year was so transformative, and you know, the whole experience has changed how I perceive, consume, understand that. Essentially, I could just, you know, get other people to do the same thing and hopefully it could have the same impact. So started developing this project called the Everyday Plastic Survey. And, um, you know, it was it was kind of asking people to do the same thing. What they do is count their, collect their plastic, not for a year, that's a bit crazy, but for a week. And then because we developed this methodology to analyse you know, one's plastic waste. We could just plug in the same their numbers into into our into our methodology and generate the same data for them. And it would be a really concentrated version of my experiment, which which felt really exciting. And you know, it took it took a long time to develop. You know, there's there's it's you know developing it from scratch for someone else is 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 a lot harder. I think I thought it was a great way to engage schools, community groups, businesses. So I spent most of 2019 developing that, and 2020 obviously COVID hit, which could have sort of thrown everything. You know, it could have all hit the hit the pan, and but again, felt that there was a good opportunity to engage people online over Zoom. So we, we ran the survey over Zoom, which meant we could do it remotely, obviously, but with more people and 
location just would not be an issue. So we, we had about 200 people from all over the country, you know, some from all over the world, you know, take part in this. And it, again, it just, there was, it just felt that there was, people were grasping the plastic problem through their own habits and behaviors and consumption. And, you know, towards the end of lockdown, we, you know, the press picked up on it again. And, you know, I keep, I keep mentioning the press only because it, it feels like there's, you know, there's lots of plastic stories around, but, you know, for something so quite small to, to register and, you know, DEFRA even responded to the survey in a, in a blog post, just felt like this, this is something that if we had more people doing this, it could have a big impact. So, so yeah, that was, you know, it, it, it's been, you know, like I say, it's been quite an organic evolving journey. Yeah, I can hear that. You're obviously getting to the point where, well, through your work, you're this raising awareness, as you rightly say, it's great for an individual to do one thing, but it's the it's the catalyzing, it's the spreading it uh, to others to get them to look at their own plastic usage. I think it might be a really good point in our conversation just to highlight where the problem of plastic lies. I mean, you can look around any room, any, any, well, anywhere, you can look anywhere and you'll find plastic. Are you advocating for a, an elimination of all plastics in every, every part of our lives? Or are you focusing on the stuff that we throw away all the time? <laughs> where is mm. it? Where does your line stop in thinking plastic is a nightmare? We just got to get rid of it all to let's be sensible of it, or not. I'm, I'm, perhaps sensible is not the right word, but what is practical at this point? Yeah. Well, I mean, plastic, you know, once you start sort of digging into it, as I'm sure you've, you've, you know, you're well aware, it's just, a huge complex interconnected deep issue and um what i like to think of is you know i there's there's lots of you know brilliant organizations who are addressing marine pollution or water pollution or some some are addressing it um further up the scale or addressing incineration i feel like our role is to to discuss it or to talk to people as they've got it in their hands, you know, from the moment it passes through their hands. So essentially that is, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of packaging, you know, one of the experiences with it, we all have is going to the supermarket. We all know how supermarkets laid out. We, we probably know supermarket better than, you know, who our local MP is or who, who makes plastic, you know? So, I think it's, I'm really focused on trying to get public awareness, understanding and creating public demand and get that really bubbling away. Cause that's when it can start, we can start taking it up the chain to the supermarket CEOs, to the FMCG giants like Unilever and Nestle and, you know, to the big fossil fuel uh, com and chemical companies, you know, who are, the ones responsible for this, you know, I mean, we, it, it's hard to, it's very hard to pin blame on anyone. And I think blame is an awful word. It's, it's cause it's so huge. 
I suppose we kind of lost lost where <laughs> where we were going. But I think reduction is obviously very very important, and reduction can only happen if the amount of plastic that is produced is um, halted. I don't think it's possible now to live in a world without plastic in many of its forms. You know, our, not that cash is going to be around for much longer, but our cash is plastic, our credit cards are plastic, you know, plastics in our planes, in our electric vehicles, in our home devices. So it's it's almost impossible to imagine a world without plastic. I think there is an opportunity for significant reduction through packaging. I think a lot of packaging is, is is the cause of a lot of waste. You know, if we look if you if you do look at marine pollution, most of the stuff you're seeing is is single use packaging. And that's the stuff, you know, when you think of an iPhone or a car, that's not stuff that's getting thrown away almost, you know, however many times a day. So, so yeah, I think single-use packaging is, is really the area in which certainly I want to focus our work on, but I think is where, you know, the, the work we should be focusing on, you know, governments in particular and, and industry. And what are you finding as a result of doing these surveys? Are you getting feedback from people going, oh, my goodness, I am now totally switched on to what I'm buying. Are you getting that sort of sense that people are acting on the information they're discovering? I think so. I think I think it's very difficult for people because of how us, us you know, particularly, you know, I keep referencing the supermarkets, but, you know, our supermarket systems are set up. It's very difficult to go do a weekly shop without buying plastic. So I think some people are making changes to one or two of their their weekly shop items some people are going more extreme you know which is great but you know i think one of the things that we we want to be able to do is make living with less plastic more affordable and more accessible and that's not necessarily alternatives or swaps you know in terms of packaging but you know reduction and you're really focusing on reuse and refill because that is that could have significant effects on how much plastic is, is entering our system and how much we end up throwing away. So I think that's that's where I think you know our job is to kind of kick people off, you know, kick people off, kickstart their journey. And you know, obviously we want to manage manage them through that journey, but you know the big plastic can which we which we launched last year is the perfect opportunity for anyone to take part no matter what your experience or knowledge of plastic no matter your age or your background it is designed to be accessible to anyone and an entry-level way to start and kickstart your your less plastic journey and what does what does that look like for someone if they want to engage with that so, so yeah, the big plastic camp was um, again another evolution from the everyday plastic survey, which I mentioned um, earlier. So, as I as I as I said, we we, we had this big sort of you know, this response from DEFRA, lots of press to this very small survey that we did, and if we could take that 
you know, if we could do that at scale, then I feel like we could have, we could have a really big impact at every single level, public and industry and, and government. So I was looking for partners to, to work with us on this. And, and I was approached by Greenpeace to, who, who wanted to do a big public awareness campaign, family friendly, a bit less sort of spiky, a bit less Greenpeace-y, you know, obviously have some provocation in there, but, um, so, you know, I couldn't think of a, a more perfect partner than, than Greenpeace for this. Um, so I was really, really, really delighted and obviously had come a long way from, you know, that moment of collecting my plastic or deciding to collect my plastic for a year to, to working on a big, big national campaign, Greenpeace. So the Everyday Plastic Survey evolved into the Big Plastic Count, which, um, again, the brief is very simple. What, what we were inviting people to do from, from in their homes uh, was to count their plastic waste for a week. So every time they threw something in the bin, they'd tick it off on a little chart that we developed. And at the end of the week, they'd count it all up and submit their data into uh, our website. So what that would immediately generate is their personalised household plastic footprint. So that would tell them how much they threw away, what it was used for, such as food and drink, or cleaning and toiletries, and what would happen to it, how much would get recycled, exported, landfilled, incinerated. So that was a way to, to help people to, to see how much, you know, I think just knowing how much you throw away in a week is a frightening figure and what it would look like if it was scaled up. You know, what would it, what would that look like if we scaled it up to a year? What would it look like if every household in the country threw away the same as you? So that's something to, to really get them, them going. And, and obviously by, by counting what they're throwing away, if they can see where, what they're throwing away most of. So for many people, it was fruit and veg packaging. And as you can imagine, lots of snacks. We're a nation of snack lovers, that's for sure. But the, the positive thing for that is that we could, you know, every time someone entered their data, we would collect all that, you know, in, in, in our system. So not only was it a personal household learning experience, but it would also hopefully give us enough evidence and data to put pressure on the government and business to make changes. So we needed big numbers and we actually had almost 100,000 households take part um, and submit their data. It worked out at about 250,000 people in total. And between them, they counted six and a half million pieces of plastic. It worked out that an average per household would be about 66 pieces. So when you, you know, with, with such a large sample size to be able to assume that if that was typical of every household in the country, it would mean that we're throwing away 1.85 billion pieces of plastic packaging every single week, almost 100 billion a year. So a quite a terrifying figure and most of it was food and drink packaging 83 percent in fact was food and drink packaging and i'm going to come back to the supermarket again you know most of that is going to be available from from the supermarket we're creating a picture i think for people and i think that's that's the important thing as well is to be able to visualize it and present a bit of a narrative and i suppose terrifyingly we found that only 12 percent would end up being recycled in this country more, in fact, would get exported to other countries, which just shows the system is completely broken. I mean, we're incinerating half of it, pretty much. So 
there's no, you know, the, the industry and government just see no other way to get rid of our waste than to burn it. And I think we can all agree that burning isn't a great solution for a material made of fossil fuels and other chemicals. So, so yeah, so it's a really enlightening campaign. Yeah, I was part of that too. And I have to say it's super accessible. I mean, it, and it just creates that edge of awareness that you need to think about, oh, actually, this is what my own waste looks like. And I'm imagining that it's probably an underestimate of data that you collected because people that tap into the plastic count are probably already slightly switched on to the idea that single use plastics, throwaway plastics is, is not a great idea. So mm. the data is very, very scary. And then you bring in that, you know, we all like to think that, okay, I've collected a lot of plastics, but maybe I've, you know, I put it in the recycling bin, that's going to be fine. And then you hear that what happens to it afterwards, after it leaves your house in your recycling bin, you're hopeful that it's all going to go to some good, good use. Exactly. <laughs> and and <Yeah>. it's, ah, <laughs> and if that alone doesn't go, I've got to do something about what the plastic that goes in my bin. I don't know. What, I don't know what it does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's a terrifying thing, and it's it's hard to put a positive spin on it because <laughs> it is it is quite scary, shocking. You know, it can make people feel quite angry and guilty. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but actually, what I think it does is, like I say, it, it starts to build this mass awareness. And you know, I think we just want to keep keep going with it. So we do, we're doing it again later in the year, in October this year, which is really exciting. Again, you know, we want to engage lots of young people um, and schools. We think there's such a great opportunity to to engage with 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 young people. And yeah, teaching the next generation. Is... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're they're you know they are in tune with it. You know, I think it's. And there's, you know, there's ways in which to to educate, I suppose, and to and empower. So, and we feel that this is this is one of them. Yeah, and I like the, you know, you're saying empower. I think it it is something that some you can do something with, because we're we're all coming into contact with single use plastics on a regular basis, even if you just are skimming some of the easy wins off yeah. your choices Definitely. and just raising that awareness to the point where when you come in and you hit campaigns or policymakers or supermarkets and you're saying, really, we've got the public behind us. If you've raised that awareness already, that's got to make the pressure build, hasn't it? So yeah. the value of, of raising those numbers of awareness is, is really good, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, I don't think things would be, you know, supermarkets or governments wouldn't be making pledges or promises if it wasn't for public demand. So I think that's, you know, we, I think a lot of the time, you know, we, we can feel a bit helpless, but actually, Every every single thing you do is is a is a is an activism you know a moment of activism um, or you know if you if you choose the loose potatoes over a pack uh, bagged potatoes you know that's you making a conscious decision and you know so and the more people who do that kind of thing you know we're all, we're all encouraged to to go out and vote aren't we and it's I think it's the same thing you know we we must. You know, the more that we, the more that 
each of us can do and I think you know collectively then that starts to to build a, a new movement and industry will just react to what the public want and I think that's what we have to do. Absolutely so as I draw this to a conclusion, because it would be easy to talk about this subject in every direction for the next yeah. couple of hours, uh, I was wondering what the future held for you in Everyday Plastic. Have you got a, a vision of what it might look like in the future? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's hard to, <laughs> to see what's going to happen in the future, of course. But we, you know, we're really focused on building slowly and running the big plastic, continuing with the big plastic count. You know, hopefully we can we can continue to to build data and evidence and help to people to understand and raise awareness through through that project. Um, we've got a new campaign called Choose Loose, which is um, kind of a response to to our findings from the big plastic count. So we found that fruit and veg packaging was the most commonly counted item. Turns out that about every household would throw away about ten pieces per week. So almost 300 million a week um, collectively across the country. So we've been um, working with RAP, who published some research last year, uh, saying that packaged fruit and vegetables don't necessarily extend shelf life um, or freshness and can, in most cases, increase the amount of food waste. That's because if you think of, you know, you only need three potatoes, but you have to buy a bag of eight you use those three potatoes and those potatoes start sprouting in the bottom of your cupboard and you have to throw them away. So we're spending more than we need to on food that we don't eat. And removing plastic packaging would not only reduce the amount of plastic that we need to throw away, it would also prevent tens of thousands of tonnes of food waste and, and also save people money. So we have launched a campaign called Choose Loose, which calls on supermarkets to remove packaging from just five fruit and veg products, potatoes, apples, bananas, carrots and onions, which you know are all available loose and also happen to be the five most wasted products in the home. So by just removing them from these five could have such a huge impact. And it feels like simple and effective solution that is proven to to work so that's what we're working on we've got a petition live at the moment we're working with our friends at city to see on this and um, we're almost at fifty thousand signatures we want to do a big big piece of research later in the in the year and follow that with a big big campaign to inform people about the benefits of loose veg and to work obviously to work with supermarkets to to encourage their shoppers to do that so the immediate future sort of looks like that but you know we've we've um I, th I think we you know our mission and vision are very simple we we want to see a society that has access to a life with less plastic and you know that's that can be as you know that is fairly broad so i think that's what we're really focused on trying to deliver through our through our work I think that's a, that's a great slogan, a life with less plastic. And I think the campaign is is super because you're really, okay, you're, you're choosing five, but five key fruit and veg that 
could just start a ripple effect, couldn't it? And exactly, potatoes, yeah. I just, <laughs> potatoes are, are quite a bug there in mind, having to buy yeah. a bag of potatoes. <laughs> it's a crazy, it's crazy. We were talking to someone the other day and they were saying that they, they wash the potatoes when they get them. And then in some cases they reapply mud to make them look more earthy. Yes. And for carrots, they, they peel them so they look more orange and like, but actually that's what makes them go off quicker. So it's all done with an imagined consumer desire when, you know, now, you know, that's, that's, that's what consumers would expect now because that's what yes. they know. So there's a big, there's a big behavior change and a big public education piece to be done as well. And supermarkets have got to be involved with that and they've they've really got to lead on it. We we want to sort of accelerate it. You know, they're committing to things at the moment, but it's slow. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Yes. Keep at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> um, one last question. I have to just edge this in. Just what are your thoughts and feelings about plastic in the future? Yes. Good good question. Well, I think things are happening. There's a big global plastics treaty that is being drawn up by um, as part of the UN Environment Programme. So there's lots of NGOs, you know, important people who are part of those negotiations over the next two two years, and that will be a legally binding treaty that will have to be that governments around the world will have to implement. So I think. I think we're, I have to be, you know, my job is to be an optimist. So I think we have a big opportunity. You know, we're, we're at that moment now, I think over the next few years where things can really take a turn and they could, it could happen quite quickly. I think, I think companies like Coca-Cola know what's coming. So they're investing quite a lot in their reuse at the moment. I mean, whether it's enough, who knows but we we need to i think we I'd, I'd like to be positive and think that the amount of things that are happening can can really turn the tide there's lots of work to do there's lots of sort of greenwashing to bust and you know i think i think we just want to we want to see better systems and i think that's what we have to push for and i think through through you know sort of learning and campaigns and the supermarkets I think that there's a big opportunity to do that yeah absolutely yeah we definitely need systemic change it's been marvelous talking to you Dan as I say I could have gone into so many different avenues yeah. but I can't <laughs> so maybe another time thank you very much yeah thanks very much for having me you are most welcome thank you plastic is a huge pollution problem they are embedded in our everyday lives to the point of being so familiar that it seems impossible to imagine a world without it. However, Dan is connecting people to their plastic waste through campaigns, research and education, sharpening the focus of what we are throwing away. By choosing a life with less plastic, a growing body of people can nudge the government and businesses to look for alternative ways of packaging the things we buy. We can also sign petitions such as the Everyday Plastic and City of Sea Choose Loose campaign. 
You can find the link for this petition and other information about everyday plastic in the show notes. In producing this episode, I'd like to thank Andy Shaw for audio editing, Jeremy Jones for providing the music, and to you for listening. Don't forget you can follow the podcast to get automatic access to each new episode. And it would be lovely if you could rate, review and share it too. It really helps. Until next time, bye for now.